This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. Stallone. Think about me. Travolta. I've never been called that before. Estevez. This is gnarly! Sweezy. How can I forget? A galaxy of cameos like this could only be in one movie. Beach Babes from Beyond. That was a UFO. I'd like to be abducted by alien space babes and have encounters of the 69th kind. The movie that poses the cosmic question, what would happen if aliens from outer space landed in the middle of a summer beach party? God, I love California. The aliens are coming. They're armed. They're dangerous. And they're wearing bikinis. I have one of those. Could I get one of those too, please? They're hot. They're sexy. And... They're looking for Earthlings. Who is that girl? Holy <laughs> shit! You're a space babe! You got it! If you think all extraterrestrials look like little green men, then see Beach Caves from beyond. The final frontiers of space have never looked better. You're a beach babe from beyond? That's your ass, dude. Beach Caves from beyond. From Torchlight Entertainment. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration, and this is Howling at the Full Moon. And we have an interesting little ditty for you this evening. We're going to be covering the first Torchlight Cinema release with Beach Babes from Beyond from 1993. And joining me as usual is my good friend and co host and cohort in crime, Dustin Hubbard. How the hell are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm very, uh, no pun intended, but very excited to be here to talk about this movie tonight. Yeah, this is a fun one. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't go as far as to say this is the first 
comedy that we've covered because we've covered a couple evil bong movies and let's face it those are comedies just disguised as uh, sci-fi horror movies but i would say this is probably the first sex comedy that we've we've covered you know the first torchlight cinema movie anyway definitely this is definitely the most innocent and docile feeling movie in the full moon catalog that you and i have discussed (laughs) (laughs) and i use use the word innocent very loosely because uh the goings on in the film aren't very innocent so no no you know some of the characters might be a little innocent but uh, their actions most certainly are not most definitely not so but hey but this movie has a star-studded cast it has estevez swayze travolta stallone not the ones that you're thinking, though, folks. <laughs> We're talking Joe Estevez, Don Swayze, Joey Travolta, and Jackie Stallone. But still, you know, <laughs> movie royalty nonetheless, I guess you could say. And I got I to gotta say this is one of my favorite Joe Estevez roles. Totally, because he's actually in the movie. Like, he doesn't have a, a throwaway role like he usually does he's usually like a little cameo or like a throwaway side part it this certainly isn't the first full moon movie we've talked about featuring joe estevez either but uh yeah no no i think he's billed like top top ish billing yeah well on on, on imdb he is top billed yeah but it he's certainly not like the lead character but no but uh, he he is a but he's he, not the lead, yeah. but he is a lead at least. To the entire plot, though, it's funny because our 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 primary leads. You know, I, one thing I had to make note of in my in my head uh, was that our all of our leads are basically they are way far down the cast list in the billings because our three lead alien beach babes are literally billed as like seventh, eighth and ninth. And then our three male leads are like 10th, 11th and 12th. So, right. Right. But yeah, they led with their star power, you know, but you know, why wouldn't you? I mean, there's also not uh, that we glossed over, but uh, we'll get to the, their characters later on, but it also stars screen queen. Linnea Quigley is Sally uncle buds, Joe Estevez's, uh, Former former lover, I guess you could say. And then Burt Ward is Mr. Bun, Mr. Sunbuns. And, you know, when I think sex comedies and sexiness, the first thing I think about is Burt fucking Ward. Yeah, you know, it's weird. Linnea and Burt did a good handful of movies around this time, and some of them were, like, odd movie comedies. So Yeah, Virgin High comes to mind as first and foremost. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, hey, you know, go where the work is, so... Exactly. And I'm, I'm forgetting it. Well, before we get into the actual uh, actual plot and digging into this movie, I'll give you the quick three-quarter sentence, because uh, it, it's very short, uh, IMDb synopsis, folks. Beach Babe from Beyond, from 1993, is as follows... Three intergalactic beauties beam down off the California coast and have close encounters with three local beach boys. And that's pretty much... Should they be beaming on to the California coast? Yeah, that's... Like, I was going to say, the person who wrote that seems to me like they didn't really watch the movie. Like, they maybe read the back of it and made it it up as they went along. 
<laughs> I just it should be beam on because if they beamed off, they'd be leaving, and that's not to the end of the movie. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, it is it is what it is. But this is directed by uh, the great David Dakota, uh, aka Ellen Cabot, is one of his many many aliases, and uh, I did not know until here, and I read a little bit on Wikipedia and, and doing a little digging that he came up with the Ellen Cabot as a it was a the name of a girl that he had dated that was a quite psychopathic i guess so he thought it was you know when he had a movie that he didn't want to really lend his name to that was the the name he went with so good for him yeah a lot of uh ellen cabot's credits are more like erotica slanted type things too they're usually movies with a lot of boobs so (laughs) there you go and and i it, it is i think uh just about every torchlight movie uh, which Dakota directed, I believe, the majority of them, because when Torchlight was created, uh, Dave ran Torchlight. He was kind of the head of uh, production there, uh, overseeing the films for Charlie. But of course, they were based on ideas by Charlie, uh, and he was the lead producer. But Dave was the sh- basically the showrunner. And he directed the majority of them, but all the Torchlight movies he directed as Ellen Cabot. And he directed, if I'm going to bet probably without even looking, he directed the sequel to this too as well, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. He did, he did its sequel. He directed uh, Virgin Hunters, a.k.a. Test Tube Teens, uh, Blonde Heaven, a.k.a. Morgana, um, and probably one or two others. He's a busy man. I mean, gosh, I can't imagine the, the amount of work he's done. He know he's directed somewhere upwards of 150 or more movies. So the guy is always working. Yeah, he's doing upwards. Of, there was a period when he was doing a lot of his own personal films and self-distributing them. Uh, he was doing, like, you know, somewhere between like eight, eight to 12 movies a year. And that's about what he's been doing for a lifetime a year now is like upwards. I want to say maybe eight movies a year for them. If I ever uh, uh, talk to him, I'm just going to ask him one question. When do you sleep, man? <laughs> Cause I, I don't know how, how, how he does it, There's but plenty of time to sleep. Are you kidding me? He's mastered shooting things at breakneck pace. <laughs> so it's true. That's true. Oh, but Speaking of a breakneck pace, let's go ahead and dive right into this one. Starting off with Swayze, Don Swayze, and Jackie Stallone as the parents of our, I guess you could say, our main character, so to speak, you know, that uh, uh, Roxanne Blaze plays, Xena. And they're briefly just used. They're just used in the beginning, and they do pop up at the end for a brief moment. But uh, I do kind of like the banter they have back and forth, you know, talking about his... His T-Bird, you know, even in outer space, Daddy's always got a T-Bird that he drives. Yeah, oh yeah, him and him and Jackie Stallone, honestly, I think Don Swayze and Jackie Stallone have really good chemistry in their, in their two scenes. And it's sad because in the whole movie, they they kind of open the movie with their scene and they're, and they're in the end briefly. But total, they only have about 90 seconds of runtime together. But, yeah, I know, it's, it's kind of a shame. Yeah, they're both hilarious, though. It's literally them just sitting in a spaceship. 
<laughs> you yeah, know, probably shot against a green screen, but you know, hey, shoot I it think- how you need to shoot it, right? Yeah, but they were both good. I mean, I, I wish the movie had a little more Gork and Yana in it, but, you know. Yeah, what what about those names, though? Gork and Yana. <laughs> <laughs> Once, uh, everyone got very unique names in this movie, so. And they use this phrase, geekazoid, more times than I can count. I, I, I think De- Don Swayze says it once. Uh Roxanne Blaze says it once, a couple of the other girls say, but they, they love using the phrase geekazoid. So this tells you what era this came out came out in, early 90s. They refer to Xena's ex-boyfriend or her current boyfriend, whatever he was, as a, uh, a geekazoid. Gonad was a, a real geekazoid. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could switch those names and say geekazoid was a real gonad and wouldn't really lose any meaning there at all. Not at all. But I I do believe uh, Jackie Stallone as Yana has the best line of dialogue in the movie, which I wrote down here. And just, as she says, "Last this is the last time I ever marry a man thirty years younger than I am," <laughs> and, and literally like almost like completely looks into the camera, breaking the fourth wall and winks. <laughs> but you know, and, and the one thing else that they didn't use a lot of was, I mean. It's not really heavy on the sci-fi. You would figure like a you know, movie called Beach Bays from Beyond would be a little bit more sci-fi. But once the girls land on the beach and crash land on, on Earth in California, the sci-fi part of it is pretty much over. Yeah, the only I mean, real sci-fi aspect is them getting there in a spaceship and then them leaving a spaceship. There's literally nothing else science fiction about this movie. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's the other part that's a bit of a shame because the, while the effects work is a little goofy – you know, but it works for this movie. It's almost, I mean, it's done very well for as cheap as it's done. I mean, and I made a note here. It was this like Star Trek Next Generation effects done on a budget. Yep. It's, yeah. it's because uh, this movie was not cheap either, though, truthfully. I mean, how much do you think this movie cost? Get Throw me a number. Uh, 1.5 million. It was 300K. Oh God! Up, <laughs> I, I was way overestimating myself. I figured with the cast alone, they must have like had to pay pay buku bucks for some of them. But yeah, three hundred k. That's probably about the, yeah, about right. The, yeah, they're the second rate names, you know. But uh, yeah, it's like three hundred thousand uh, on ten days in Mexico. So, which you know, that's not that's not a bad bad budget. Uh, I think. You know, it, it's not a movie that looks very technically sleek, but it's very has a very goofy sort of vibe as far as the visuals and some of the effects and stuff, which work for it more since it's a comedy. So yeah, I mean, this is basically a a dash of Porky's, a dash of American Pie, with a sci-fi twist added to it. It's the best way to describe this movie. The best flourishes we got from Torchlight, and they're very brief existence were legit just comedies so that's that's what they did best so this uh it's sequel and uh virgin hunters very just very fun harmless you know comedies yeah no danger no real violence just kind of good fun loving it it it, it, it was carrying on that that you know family vacation kind of style of uh comedy with you know a little bit more raunchy with all the boobs and the tna and stuff in it but 
I, I, I like it. I like this movie. You know, there's not a lot of like a story going on here, but no, you don't no. turn it into a movie called Beach Base from Beyond expecting, you know, a plot like the movie Tenets or something. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you, you got to know what you're in for with the title like Beach Base from Beyond. Yeah, you're not going to get something very complex and uh, thought provoking. You're going <laughs> right. to. This is this is a prime example, too, of like in. You know, Charles Bam was someone in the 80s who really uh, was a master at the idea of, you know, he would have he would come up with the title and then they come up with this really great, great piece of art and they would use that and pre-sell rights and then they'd use the money to make the movie. Uh, So he was always someone who was really good at getting solid images. And this is a case from the Paramount era, I think, where they had a piece of artwork that i think was the whole key to whatever success this movie had because this movie has an incredible poster oh yeah i love the poster i actually owned it at one time i had gotten it from the local video store because i was trying to you know scour the the video stores for every full moon poster that i could get my hands on but i do remember having this one up in my uh early years as a as a teenager up in the bedroom because You know what young young guy wouldn't want a, a poster like that hanging in his room as it says hot tan and alien yeah the key art for part two is just as comparably incredible because it's it again it's like three hot chicks but they're in front of like volcanoes and a fucking dinosaur like it's just it's so cool and honestly at one point i almost owned that i was so close to actually getting my hands on that cave girl island uh concept art back in the day oh, when the, oh the actual concept art not the poster you're talking actual concept artboard uh full moon used to have an ebay store where they would they were selling off a lot of old pieces like that and i did get a good number of them i, I do actually have uh, original concept art for things like oh that's uh, so cool doll man petticoat planet galactic gigolo even Valley. your favorite even your favorite darn doll man yeah doll man hey you know what it's it's some dope art yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I have two of them from josh kirby time warrior chapter one planet of the dino knights uh one of them is so early it actually uh cites it as being chapter two before they changed it to chapter one uh, I, have a, I have a lot of those. I have concept art boards even of the original five heads of the Decapitron when Decapitron was going to be Ace, oh. his film uh, written by Paul DeMeo and Danny Bilson back in the 80s. Uh, and they had concept art boards of all five separate heads, and I have all those. So I... And, it's kind of an addictive thing. I'd see this stuff go up and they put up the cave where I want art. And I was like, that is some of the most incredible fucking art. And I, I ended up capping out at about like 300, I think on that. And I was like, that's, you're like, that's it. No more. And, right. <laughs> and I was, I was going to drop upwards of that. So, but, but someone else wanted it just as bad as I did. So I hope they enjoy it. So well, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Oh, I man. Start boards for transfers one and four. So, oh, jealous, sir. Jealous. And the, and the unproduced um, 
Legion of Doom film that would have had Dollman, Mordred, Mandroid, and Benjamin Knight. You do have that, or you didn't? You didn't get that one. I do. Yeah, I do. Oh, I yeah. want a picture of that one day. So. <laughs> if, if you ever dig it out of the closet and, or uh, wherever you got it stashed, I definitely want yeah. a picture of that one day. All those things are on display in my movie room, with the exception of the Decapitron boards. So, but they are all available. I do have p- pictures of all of those concept art boards uh, in my Full Moon album on Facebook. But oh, I will check it out. Somehow I'd uh, overlook that one. I can definitely. There's uh, there's over like twelve hundred photos in there though, so <laughs> it's a it's a dig. Uh, <laughs> I might have to do that on a day day when I'm ready to go into a deep dive on on the yeah. uh, searching. <laughs> it's definitely a deep dive, but yeah, it's it's you know back to, to beach babes though. I mean, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I, I let us let us down a, 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 a different path there. I I'm I'm very easy to get distracted on things like that. But uh, it's this movie does have incredible key art, and I think that that's helped the movie uh, stay, you know, in consciousness of Full Moon fans. Because, you know, Torchlight wasn't always the most popular label or sub-label, sister label to Full Moon over the years. It's definitely one that had the shortest lifespan because Paramount did not... Um, gel well with the the business model um of torchlight so they uh-huh. didn't want to films that were unrated um torchlight it, lasted what three years four years Torchlight lasted literally two films oh, they shit. they did beach babes uh virgin virgin hunters was shot first then they shot beach babes one um Charlie like the ad campaign for Beach Babes won better, understandably, uh, and thought that that movie had a bit more promise as, I think, a, a flagship entry. So they released Beach Babes first. Uh, Virgin Hunters ended up getting some retooling. Uh, I'm not sure if it was from Full Moon themselves or uh, it might have even been influenced from Paramount. But the Virgin Hunters title was dropped and they ended up retitling. Uh, to what the original title was. It started as Test Tube Teens, became Virgin Hunters, and then they went back to Test Tube Teens from the year 2000, and they released that to the VHS. And both of those sold not as well as some of the other films. Um, You know, like Full Moon movies were selling, you know, 70, 80, 90,000 units, you know, VHS units to rental outlets. You know, these were low tens of that. Ah, okay. So that's why they didn't end up making too many of these. <laughs> You're making such a, you know, saucy kind of product, you know. Uh, that was very much on the cusp of the erotic thriller kind of uh, era. So that, you know, it was it was a hard sell in some areas. Yeah. So by, by the time Test Tube Teens eked out on the VHS Paramount pulled the plug and they had they had started to market I believe Blonde Heaven as their third film and then uh, it never even saw the light of day on VHS through them now that was just re- released uh, you know post uh, Paramount breakup wasn't it correct Blonde Heaven and Beach Babes 2 Cave Girl Island 
uh, I believe under the title Cave Girl Island, were both released direct to cable sometime after that. They were released under uh, in their, their uncut versions. So all a big majority of all the sex was intact. They were very um, mature, and they played on late night Skinamax for a handful of years before they finally had their uh, physical debuts later when Full Moon broke from gotcha, Paramount. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, the Paramount era, the golden era, as I call it. <laughs> totally. But uh, back, back to Beach Babes. We'll get back to. Uh, Back on track here. Our girls, Xena, played by Roxanne Blaze, Luna, played by Nicole Posey, and I want to say it's Sola? Is it this played by Tamara Landry? Um, or did I get the two of those mixed up? I might have got them mixed up. Well, as many times as I've seen this movie, I always get those two mixed up. Uh, Tamara Landry played Luna, and that's Nicole right. Played Sola. Yeah, Xena, Sola. <laughs> yeah. And Nicole would be her only film, and I thought she was funny. I thought she was really good. It was just a shame that it was her only film, but they uh, they ended up uh, what the girls do. They steal Daddy's T Bird, but you know they even had a little bit in there to, to predetermine what was going to happen because Daddy didn't put gas in the T Bird. So what happens? They crash land on Beta Forty Five, aka Earth, and they're scared when they get there because why? They've been told that the Betas on Earth eat people. and not in the way that you're thinking folks they think that they're cannibals but you know it's a nice play on words here and i love when they're talking about uh it's a great little comical scene when they're talking about what kind of guys they're hoping they're going to run into on beta 45 earth you know one is like i want to run into the uh, you know the bodybuilder type and the other one's like i want a, a smart person so they show these little flashes of you know nerds with protractors and and you're know, looking like scientists and then you got the artistic one it looks like he's from france and is this it's a neat little flash forward into what they think they're going to be getting into and they they don't get any of that they just get surfer dudes <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know it's the california coast what are you gonna expect <laughs> yeah yeah you're, you're gonna expect to get some surfer dudes Hot, hot beach babes are going to find some some cute surfer dudes. So, you know. That's when we get introduced to our, our two male leads, Dave and Jerry. And I love the fact that, like, uh, Dave tells Jerry, he's like, you got to chill out, man. You're only 18. And I made a note here. I'm like, if Jerry is 18, he's lived a long, hard life. And he had he looks like a very... Rough and tough. <laughs> yeah, he's a rough and tough fucking eighteen. You know, uh, his hairline says, you know, maybe the the script said eighteen, but his hairline says thirty five. <laughs> I, I say this with it's the it's the Don Bow syndrome. Yeah, yeah, like, yes, yes, exactly. Uh, you kind of look at you know like one of our co stars here, Linnea. It's like you know her and. Uh, Brink and Michelle were playing, you know, what what they used to call the world's oldest sorority sisters. So, you know, right, there. right. <laughs> take take that paycheck and run. Yeah, take it while you can, you know. But again, like I said, my favorite character is Uncle Bud, and that's uh, the Uncle Bud is Dave. He is uh, Dave is his nephew, 
and he's played by Joe Estevez. And I, I like Joe Estevez. I think he's a fun actor. He always gives 110%, even if the movie he's given it to only gives him 10% back. But he's a great guy. He was not really, you know, at first you think he's not doing so bad because he's got that Martin Riggs style place, you know, that lethal weapon <laughs> house on the beach. Yeah. But like, you, you know, you get about five seconds to think that, hey, you know, Uncle Bud's just doing all right. He's just a beach bum. And then you find out that he's literally a bum because he's getting served like his, what, 18th eviction notice? Yeah, they're they're trying their best to get, get rid of him. Yeah, uh, and he's just like, yeah, just file it over there with the rest of them. And he points at the garbage can. But really, all joking aside, Joe is very charismatic. And to be honest, he's probably the best actor in the movie. No, totally. I would agree. But uh, this is when we get our first of many what I call beach blanket bingo scenes where you get shots, you know, crane shots of the beach with a hundred extras, all guys in Speedos and girls in bikinis dancing to a band that seems to be perpetually playing for eternity, playing the same song. You know, it's, it's very much like a Frankie Avalon and Annette, you know, you made that reference uh, when we were off the air. But that's totally what it is. It's beach blanket bingo time. And it's literally that same song on a loop because some of those beach partying scenes last for four to six minutes at times, I feel like. <laughs> and they'll just kind of shoehorn in a, a like a, a scene with the, the two main guys, uh, D- Dave and Jerry, I think were their names. And they'll yeah. have a quick exchange and then they'll go back to like beach partying and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And that's and again, that same song playing on a loop. Which is fine because the song is actually pretty catchy. Yeah, this movie has a lot of really fun, catchy, silly songs, and in that, in those moments, they really get their money's worth out of that. <laughs> you totally expect Frankie Avalon to pop up for a half a second with a surfboard and be like, "Hey, cool cats, what's going on?" and then just run away. If only. They, they used all their money getting the celebrity family members. They couldn't. <laughs> if they would have maybe not got all the, the Swayze's and the Travolta's and the Stallone's, they might have been able to afford Frankie. It's true. Now, the most interesting cameo or interesting uh, famous pseudo celebrity we have in this is Joey Travolta. Now, I will admit to not being super you know, familiar with a lot of his stuff. You know, I've seen him in a couple of things. I, I basically remember him being a, a bad guy and to the limit. Mm-hmm. He was in a couple of movies with um, Shannon Tweed, you know, and he was in hell. He was even in a Beverly Hills Cop sequel at one point, part two or part three, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Joey, Joey has, he's been fairly prolific in his day. He's acted a lot. And I want to say he's had, he had a pretty, good handful of directing credits to his name as well oh see i didn't know he directed i knew he produced and, and he acted but i didn't know that he directed as well that's good for him but he, he he's he's actually an interesting character he plays dr veg who runs the weirdest food stand ever like i didn't even write down the stuff that he was saying that he was serving because it just didn't even sound like real food because when they go up, the, the two, our two lead guys, uh, Dave and Jerry, they go up and they order what they order, a cheeseburger and a Coke. He's like, we don't have any of that pre-processed food and refined sugar in here. He's like, but I can make you a vegetarian pizza. Yeah, no no meat or sugar. I'd be I'd be fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I have heart issues, and I don't eat that much, much 
type of stuff. But you know, even I would be fucked. I'd be like, come on, you gotta you gotta give me something to work with here. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's the weirdest food stand ever. And he will come into play, and he's actually very integral on how the girls, uh, our three intergalactic babes, get back to Earth. But we'll get to that when we get to it. But then uh, we get entering the great Linnea Quigley, the screen queen extraordinaire herself is Sally, uh, who I, I I was a little lost in the beginning as to f- trying to figure out like what it was that her business was other than spying on Uncle Bud, who they had had a relationship. You know, it's really quickly established that they used to be an item. But other than, you know, maybe being involved in a little bit of real estate and trying to win the bikini contest, I'm not really sure what it is that she was supposed to be doing. Yeah, her 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 job position and her her professional involvement with Hassler and whatever she's trying to accomplish with Mr. Bunn are all very ambiguously portrayed. So Yeah, because when Mr. Bunn shows up, and that's Burt Ward for all you folks at home, uh yeah, that's Burt Ward, the Robin of Batman and Robin fame. Uh she, she just seems basically like she's a she's brokering business deals like she just seems to be wealthy and have an extravagant lifestyle and just kind of dipping her big toe into every little pond that she can if that makes sense but you know she's mostly intent on trying to get uncle bud off the beach and get him evicted so that she can i don't know guess just have one over on him i mean because she's not going to like develop the land you know or anything like that it's not like get off this land so we can sell it it's just yeah like you said it's a very uh you know, very questionable and ambiguous, but, you know, it is what it is. We're not here for plot. We're here for hijinks and uh, more hijinks, I guess. (laughs) Basically, if you rented this movie back in the day, you were basically, like, looking for some some pretty girls to show some skin and like shenanigans and this movie this movie delivers both <laughs> so yeah, it, it delivers on the girls it delivers on beefcake it delivers on you know hijinks and comedy and it's fun it is a fun movie I, i'll i'll keep saying that here because it, this movie is really fun it's never boring it's never boring even when literally nothing is happening it's still fun <laughs> yeah it might be put into words but yeah, it's like even when it's just that there's nothing happening, and you're just watching people like dance for five minutes on the beach. You, like, in my opinion, like, you just can't help but kind of like, you know, find yourself singing that fucking song. Yeah. And, like, moving with the music. So, yeah, I'm just kind of bebopping along and bopping my head with it. It's just like it's a catchy tune. And we would get a cameo. Um, now, this is where you know a little bit more than I do because you have seen the uncut, unrated version of this. And you said that she is in much more of the uncut version than the version that I watched on uh, streaming. Nikki Fritz, uh, who is a B-movie queen in, in and of her own right, she passed away a couple of years ago here, I think about two years ago. She is one of Sally's models that uh, the character Hassler or is it Hessler or Hassler? I keep pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, Hassler. Yeah, he is like not my least favorite character, but um, he's my most hated character because he's such an asshole, Albert Mitchell, that plays Hassler. But he plays the role so well. So I'm, I mean that as a compliment. He's a guy you love to hate. Yeah, he is hilarious. I think he, I think he's hilarious. <laughs> oh, he's funny as hell. He's a total prick, but he plays prick 
well and you can you can you know you can tell like watching Linnea you know like I like I've said to you off off there I think this is one of Linnea's greatest performances personally mine too I think it's she, one of her top five performances she plays it so well yeah she's able to literally just go in and do a full-on comedic role and not have to rely on uh, trying to you know be sexy or try and you know have to worry about doing sex scenes or titty shots or anything like and she's genuinely like it's one of her funniest just like most genuine feeling performances and at the same time i think she looks the best she ever has in this movie she looks gorgeous in this movie oh she looks magnificent like her her and i think hassler have a really hilarious uh rapport with each other on camera i think her and Albert Mitchell work together so well in this movie as the bad guys because they're both just very they're like cartoon characters of bad guys so especially they almost would be at home and no I'm not saying this just because Burt Ward's in it but they they seem like they'd be almost well at home in the old 60s Batman TV show totally totally because whereas like you know I guess she's more grounded and he's more just sort of like the absolute scumbag horn dog, <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's an asshole. She at least has a, a, what do you want to call it? A redemption arc. Totally. Totally. And you know, it's funny because. useless because i'm good for useless knowledge albert mitchell is the only person that appeared in both of the paramount era torchlight films because he has a brief cameo in version hunters as well not as hassler though i'm sure no no (laughs) that would be something (laughs) he's a shirtless bouncer (laughs) in a club (laughs) so couldn't be any more different than he is in in this movie right but you know, yeah. So, but they're they're both really good in this in this movie, and they they provide some good bad guy banter and shenanigans. So I always enjoy any time either of them are on camera. It's some of the best scenes between them and uh, Joe Estevez's Uncle Bud. They're this the best scenes of the movie. Not to say that our leads, our lead, uh, our female leads or our male leads aren't good, but the side characters are just so much more interesting. I guess. Totally. And, and like you said, with, with Sally, her models, uh, the models are in a lot more of the movie than I think casual viewers might realize. Because um, Nikki is in a good a good portion of the movie, and I think it was – it's technically her third acting credit on IMDb, but I've always considered it kind of like her essentially debut to a degree. Uh, it's the most screen time she'd had on camera, but her her biggest moment in the movie, aside from the the final dance sequence at the competition, uh, was cut from the Paramount version because they're like we said, there are two very different cuts of this movie uh, that exist, and one of the biggest differences, and and one of the most expendable is when Sally and Hassler. Uh, I think they have their talk and then they come down to the pool where Sally's photographer Jacques is taking (laughs) 
photos of the three sexy models by the pool and she's like what are you doing this isn't a hustler shoot <laughs> you know, yeah because she was she was very adamant that there was not going to be any nudity she said this is not a hustler shoot it, it, it's for the bikinis you know <laughs> so he's missing the whole point but he tries to talk his way around it and then hassler's like uh yeah their phone numbers maybe they need representation you know and he's like you know being the scumbag that he is but and in the paramount cut he has a very brief barely 30 second dream sequence where he imagines have hooking up with nikki fritz and having sex with her and yeah that was in that was in the version that i saw but you said that sequence went on much much longer in the the uncut version yeah and the director's cut version it lasts about five minutes and it is oh my (laughs) it's genuinely one of the most not pornographic but graphic softcore sex scenes i've ever seen in my life so and it's very dirty and greasy because she just like unloads baby oil all over the place and they are <laughs> look like they crawled out of Exxon Valdez and they are just shiny and greasy and just gyrating and it's very just it's very dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I saw the wrong version then. <laughs> you did, trust me. <laughs> But that, that's one of the biggest differences. There was also, I think, one thing we lose in the cut that you saw is that there, in the version you saw, Bud and Sally never share a scene until the end. Did you notice that? Right, right. Yeah, they, 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 didn't, they, they were always on opposite, you know, they were uh, in opposite scenes from one another, at least up until the very, very end, right? Yeah, so there are a few moments that also got cut, and one is there's a scene of um, the next morning, I believe, after the when Luna and Sola have sex with their boyfriends the next morning, uh, there was a scene of Bud talking to Sally, uh, you know, sitting down at like a little food, whatever, you know talking and she's trying to tell him to you know be reasonable and come around and you know, and he's like, I like the way I live, you know, you're always trying to change me kind of kind of mentality. And, you know, he storms off and she's like, why can't you just, you know. I think the most unbelievable part of this movie is not the, the fact that these three girls that are intergalactic space babes landing on Earth and not dying in the crash is the the idea that Linnea and Joe Estevez would ever be a couple in real life. That I was going to say that Linnea is pining over Joe Estevez. <laughs> right, right, yeah. That that's the most unbelievable part. And no offense to Joe, no yeah. offense to Joe whatsoever. But it's just like I can suspend my disbelief for a lot. I can't suspend it for that. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a scene when that scene, in, that sequence ends. J- Bud storms off, and then Sally, <laughs> she has her giant portable phone sitting on the the picnic table there or whatever, and she picks it up and calls Hassler, and he's in his office and. Have a brief exchange and then he hangs up on her and you see him start to get sort of verbally fresh with a a young you know a, a good looking woman that walks into his office uh, that was that was a sequence that got lost there was some additional dialogue with dave and jerry and bud when they first show up at his place too where bud talks about just uh you know living the you know, the easy life and stop worrying about stuff, stop worrying about bills and blah, blah, blah. You know, they cut that out because it's it's just added stuff, especially well, when it just reiterated stuff that was already in there, because that's Joe Estevez's thing is that he he's living life, you know, on his own terms. And because he's known as what was it? The big cojones. 
Mahoney. Yeah, especially yeah, when Dave gets sunburnt, you actually see Uncle Bud go inside and you watch him make the the, the sunburn solution. Yeah, because when he comes back out, he says the sunburn solution, uh, hair gel, and also works good as a barbecue sauce, I think he says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, your competition. See, so he's... Uh, <laughs> Well, that's when we get the joke between the our three girls and their human uh, male counterparts. It's the ongoing joke with between them and the space babes is that the joke is that the humans eat people. But it's always done in such a way that, you know, it's always uh, eating. I'm using air quotes here that, again, that you can't see, but, the, um, you know, eating in a, uh, a sexual way. But that's not what they're thinking. They're thinking they're cannibals. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the one thing this movie has is... is this rife with is this with the sex scenes always done in a very soft shot slow-mo like and i never understood that about you know during the late 80s early 90s the heydays of the softcore erotica why every sex scene had to be in slow-mo i guess maybe they're trying to get every inch no pun intended every inch of footage that they can get out of it you get more more runtime out of it for one i think in two you're you're essentially dragging out the money shots of you know where you're putting your money so (laughs) so true true so i guess in essence i do get it i just (laughs) yeah there are a lot of a lot of slow-mo and weird there's a lot of soft lighting in this movie uh especially the the sex scenes with like dave and ziggy when they when they have sex with their girlfriends, those are shot very soft and in like this really weird blue lighting <laughs> that sort of like blows out a lot of what you're seeing. Yeah, it's very strange. There's some weird aesthetic choices, but it doesn't make it any less interesting. No, not at all. Not at all. Now, one thing I have to say I thought was funny, and it literally, like, I laughed out loud. I know the term laughing out loud is used pretty loosely these days, but I laughed out loud when Xena went and showed them, the takes Dave to the ship, and, you know, is convinced, convinces him that they're from outer space. They didn't hide the ship very well. Like, when she pulls that, like, tarp off of it that they put on him, like, it only covered about, about 10% of that ship. Like... It- it looks like a pirate's net or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, there's no way that covered the whole fucking thing. Oh, no, it covered maybe a quarter of it at best, at best. I mean, you see and you you see it's uh, not a huge ship, but it is big enough you would not miss it because it's fucking bright red, too. Yeah, it's <laughs> bright red. It looks like a bright red little fucking BW uh, minivan. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a V dub as a fucking spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> but you would you it's, totally, it's a V dub with with wings is what it is. <laughs> you totally see it though. There's there would be no missing it, and what she pulls off of it, there's no way in hell that it would cover it. But you know that's one of those things where it's like you know the whole print <laughs> goofy anyway. Hey, it got a it got a laugh out of me, so it, it did the job. Yep. Yep. But also another part of this laugh out loud funny, like, ooh, there's a bikini contest. Then the bikini <laughs> contest is a prize at $30,000, which is just in time, too, because what? Bud is in the hole, and they're going to condemn his place unless he can raise, what does he have to raise, Dustin? $30,000. 
thirty thousand dollars. Just just a convenient convenient number, you would think, right? Now, now I will say there was another sequence that was cut from the version, the director's cut version, which you actually might have seen. Did you see in the version you watched? Did you see the scene where Lenny Rose, the city city official, comes and actually marks his place for demolition? Yeah, he does. He comes and he, he puts the sign on the door, right? Yep. yep. That sequence does not exist in the director's cut version for some reason. They took it out. I don't know why, because that's a really big plot point, I feel like, because that's the incentive yeah. to for them to be like, huh, man, Zena, you should sign up for the contest. Your designs would win, <laughs> you know? So like yeah, that, like we really need to get we need to get off our you know this beta forty five aka Earth, you know, real soon before Dad finds out we took the T bird. But I'm going to stay long enough to sew up some bikinis and we're going to uh, <laughs> win that contest for you, Uncle Bud. It, it's weird because Lenny appears in that scene too as the the city official to let Bud know that his place is basically you know condemned and ready for demolition. But it's funny because they're then sitting there later. Um, but uh, he appears in the sequel as a completely different character as the lead villain, James T. Renford II. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that in movies when they have sequels and whatnot, and they use the same actors but playing different characters. I love it when it's done. Well, I, I love it when it's done well. Yeah, he was, and, you know, Lenny Rose in that time period, too, is he was a go-to guy that Dakota would get to just pop in and, he didn't usually have big roles. He would usually be like a brief appearance, you know, and you know what other full moon movie you would remember him from? What's that? that? Remember him from, I bet. At the no very, idea. At the very end of Puppet Master 3, when Toulon and Peter go off to catch the train, Lenny oh. runs up with the flyer with Andre's picture on it. Oh, that that's him? Like, I wouldn't have picked him out. I wouldn't have picked him out there. Yep. He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he was in he's in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 as well. He was also a preacher in Witchcraft 5. So, oh, so he's a little bit more prolific than I would have given him credit for. I, yeah. just, didn't re- I oh. just didn't recognize him. Yeah. But you know who I did recognize? The first time he comes on c- camera, which is probably about the next scene in the in sequence here. Burt Ward is Mr. Bunn. Oh, yeah. And I remember the first time I saw this, I was just like, really? They got Burt Ward there and they put him in one scene as the money guy? I mean, I understand, like, the role he was playing, but I was just like, one scene? Like, oh, come on. But, you know, he would pop up for a little bit at the end to kind of – he ties things up in a nice little bow. I mean, without his character, we almost, in a way, don't have our happy ending. Yeah, he helps definitely supply the happy ending for Bud and Sally. Uh, but I love when, when they reveal the Bud is the big Kionis. Uh. <laughs> it makes me wonder, they always, they keep saying big Kahone, and it's normally you would hear it pronounced as the big Kahuna. Right, right. I think they were just playing, doing a play on words there, but. The big Kahone, especially when Linnea says it, the big Kahone, like, especially when she's like having her moment in the, the lingerie in bed and she's got a hold of his hand and she's having. Yeah. The, the dream about Bud, and she's like, Take yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and her voice cracks. That's great shit. Once again, proving that she is a great, great fucking comedian. She is an exceptionally funny lady. Right. 
But then we get what uh, I was going to say, old uh, Doc Veg. You know, he ends up playing a very big picture, a big part of the picture with the, the girls because he used to be, uh, you know, uh, I can't remember exactly what he was, but he was a chemist. He had worked uh, for some pharmaceutical company or something like that. But I guess come up with the fuel uh, additive or whatever that that they needed. Yeah, I was like, essentially, he would be what Heisenberg and and Breaking Bad would have been today. He would be Heisenberg today. He'd be making blue meth. Lucky for them, the guy that randomly runs the veggie food stand at the beach was a was a chemist and could come up with the fuel additive they would need to be able to go back to their planet. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite funny, and maybe it's just me. I don't know. D- did you find? Do you find it weird that when they when Dave hands them the the they just have that random like gigantic, uh, obnoxiously long and thin test tube? <laughs> yeah, fuel additive, and his first instinct is he tastes it and he like takes a swig of it. Yeah, right. Especially for something intergalactic. Why would you ever like put something like that in your body? But it's comedy. I mean, I yeah. guess it's like my first. It makes me think of like when you're watching a horror movie and you see that dumb fucking character that like, oh, you see blood, and they 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 instantly have to like they have to touch it, and then sometimes they still have to even like taste it, and it's like really like do not. I mean, maybe you don't do that now because we're like in a like you know pandemic era kind of <laughs> period but even back then it's like you know that's a good way to get if anything is not to catch corona but i mean uh it'd be, it'd be a good way to catch hepatitis or something put stuff in your mouth it gives me bad memories of being a kid in like elementary school and watching kids go up to the water fountain their mouth right on the fucking like lime crusted nozzle of the, <laughs> the oh. and it's like dude can't you just let it like fall in your mouth like do you really need to suck on the dirty opening like the lime crusted teeth of the fountain (laughs) on man whatever but yeah it's i that was my first thought i was like why does he drink it but you know (laughs) it is what it is uh the 80s and 90s what a different time it was (laughs) but then even like uh, i i don't understand the i mean i i guess i do understand it because it progresses the plot along but Sally is so bent on winning the bikini contest that she kidnaps Xena and wants to force her to give up her like bikini designs. But like Hassler's is, is he immediately objects to it. Like he said, that's it. You've gone too far. Yeah. And like, but he was willing to, you know, air quotes again, take care of things for her in his own way, which I w- assumed he meant taking care of Bud meant bumping him off, but kidnapping a girl and murdering a man are not in the same ballpark, I guess. Yeah, he's a very weird guy. So what's funny is, is you know, what's even more odd is it's like, man, how fast did she make those bikinis? Because they were only there for a weekend. <laughs> like, yeah. It- she like threw together some like pretty like fancy um, bikini outfits and like no time flat. And we don't ever see her make them. They just like, boom, they exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no montage. There's no, you know, montage sequence where she's sewing away or sewing her life away, <laughs> racing against the clock. She just has them. Maybe that was part of her alien magic that we didn't get privy to that wasn't in the movie. Oh, yeah. But one of the best lines I I got written down here is my next note. I think it's uh, when um, Hassler says to lust. 
And <laughs> Sally and Linnea is like, to therapy. <laughs> she's she's obvious, makes it very obvious that she wants nothing to do with this dude. Yeah, that sequence of them toasting each other is like, to money, to power, to lust. <laughs> therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it's great stuff. She's like, she has him around because he can get things done, but she is completely just like turned off and repulsed by him at the same time. Well, she's still pining away for her old uh, Uncle Bud. Well, I mean, and look, at, I mean, you've got Hassler or Uncle Bud. Who would you rather go to bed with? Don't answer that. It's your <laughs> I was uh, ready to answer. <laughs> the correct answer is Joe Estevez. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess for argument's sake, but this time and maybe the first time and the only time we'll say it's Joe. That that, that is the correct answer, oddly. So sure. Because <laughs> yeah. at least like I guess I will we'll say for argument's sake here, at least Joe's a good guy. Hassler's just kind of a douche. Yeah, Hassler's but... <laughs> a bad, bad person all around. Uh and Bud Bud's genuinely like a good guy. So yeah, but he's just so stuck in his own ways, you know. He just doesn't want to change, and he doesn't want to. I don't think he wants to do anything. But you know, when you live on a beach like that with a perpetual twenty-four hour a day, seven day a week party, I mean, why would you want to change? Yeah, I mean, if I lived on that beach, holy hell, I am not a beach person, but I, it would be like the funnest life ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would. It wouldn't be a bad way to live. Like I said at the beginning, you know, old Uncle Bud is uh, Joe's not doing so bad for himself. It's like the, it's a constant beach party. There's always hot people around dancing. You can go and hang out with Joey Travolta and eat veggie burgers and meet alien alien chicks. <laughs> yeah, and hang out with the big cojone. You know, I mean, there you go. So sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I would do it. I would be there. Definitely. But we get some uh, resolution pretty damn quick here. You would th- you would think going into this that them kidnapping Xena, uh, Sally and Hassler kidnapping Xena, that that would play into things a little bit more. But they easily get Xena back. They get you know they they get the uh, the uh, they st- you know they stole the suits, but they get the fuel, and that makes for a very sad Dave and Jerry because now they realize their girls are going to be leaving them soon. But you know, they're they're intergalactic space babes. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, you but, can't can't expect them to stick around, right? Oh, but before they can go, though, they have to find out if they'll survive through the the very climactic. Uh, bikini contest dancing sequences. Yeah, that's where I wrote down we had more Beach Blanket Bingo Part 2. It, yeah, I love any movie where there's suddenly like, oh no, there's this random financial disaster. What will we do? We better join this contest to see if we can win the money to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta save the ski lodge, man. For some reason, you know what it, for some reason, the first thing that always comes to mind to me is, is I think of like the Brady kids needing to like raise the money real fast. So they like rush to the talent contest to sing that terrible song. <laughs> <laughs> like in their rainbow colored fringe outfits in the Brady Bunch movie to like I don't even remember what they were trying to win the money for. <laughs> but they I just remember them trying to win the talent show with that shitty yeah. song. That's all I remember. They win money for some reason and they rushed their asses there to sing that 
I don't even know what the song the song's name is. They're like riding down the highway on a makeshift model TA. <laughs> you did that pretty well. You remembered it better than I did. <laughs> I know it all too well. It's kind of scary, actually. So yeah, it is a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like that's just such a classic like comedy movie trope. <laughs> Is having to win the contest of picking that last minute money to save the day. So, and this movie shame shamelessly has no issue with being like, "All right, we got to win the bikini contest." Yeah, and, and there's no, there's really no judging. There's no trophy. There's no exchanging of money. They just, the girls are just dancing up on stage with the, our house band, and at the end, it's just like you get that guy is just like, "Okay, I mean, these girls won," and. Linnea, Sally is just standing there looking very perturbed that she lost, and that's really pretty much it. And really, if this movie has the really one big negative is that the ending is sort of anticlimactic, but it's, it, it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of the movie at all, but it, it is a little anticlimactic. It is funny because they get there and it's like, okay, it's a big bikini contest, and it's literally like three pairs of three girls on a makeshift stage just sort of dancing in place. For three nerds, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Voting with you know number cards, like it's you know uh, the early version of like American Idol or something like that. America's Got Talent, and there's like one random like guy that's the 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 uh, the MC, <laughs> and and it's like this event can afford to give thirty thousand dollars away, <laughs> like. Yeah, they don't even have really a name for the event or a name for the company or anything that's going on. It just seems like the I same like, perpetual like, dance party. It's like the first annual Sunbun Bikini Open or something Wait, like that's that. That's right. You're right. Yeah, because Mr. Sunbun's uh, Burt Ward was hosting it. That's right. You're, you're right. You're right. Which that wording also reminds me too that in the in the 90s there was a really popular like. Uh, pay-per-view event that they always had called the Bikini Open. Did you ever hear of that? Vaguely remember that. Yes, there were like ten or so of them, and I don't e- I don't even know what they were, but I would always see commercials for them. You know, when pay-per-view was an actual channel. <laughs> you know, right, right. Call up and order. The, you know, pay to you know have have the the charge put to your cable bill, and the movie would start at a certain time or some shit. And they always. <laughs> There were like live events called the Bikini Open that was like beach things of like girls in bikinis. I don't know what the I don't know what it was though, but that I'm sure they made money hand over fist though. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the so the name of Mr. Bun's event always felt like it was kind of borrowing off of that, <laughs> which it could, very well could have could have been in the in the writing, truthfully, because the Bikini Open was a very much a thing when this movie came out so it makes sense it, it like i said it, the, in the end it just felt a little anticlimactic and really in the end it doesn't really matter because the girls are all set to go they they've got the money for uh joe they got the fuel from dr veg he's gonna like you know he made the fuel that didn't drink at all this time you know but uh I, I like the idea that they, you know, that Sally's character, the character Sally, sells the sunburn ointment to sunburns. You know, we get a little bit, one more additional scene with Burt Ward, very much playing the straight character. He, he's the, 
you know, he's not comical in any way, shape, or form, which is really a shame because the, I just felt like the one thing, other thing that was kind of a shame is they didn't really utilize Burt Ward correctly. They didn't. They didn't utilize him for any comedy. That's for sure. Because especially in his first scene when he shows up to Sally's and she sends the girls over and they start kind of hanging all over him and he's like, you know, he gets real offended, like she's mm-hmm. trying, you know, offer him favors for, you know, uh, letting her potentially win the contest. He's very much the the straight man. Yeah. There's there's no humor in his character. He's kind of he kind of has a silly vibe at the end of me, I guess. But it's maybe for me more so the fact that it's like the quickest, easiest handshake, not handshake deal. <laughs> Humanly, right, right. he's like, she's like, hey, Bud's got a sunburn ointment, and he's like, could we, could we use your name and market it as as this? And he's like, sure. And he's like have your lawyer call my lawyer this will take the tanning world by storm and it's like okay well boom wow i guess you're both ready to be millionaires now (laughs) now bud's gonna be a millionaire and him and sally are gonna live happily ever after and uh you know they're they're gonna get back together but unfortunately dave and jerry (laughs) and uh, ziggy are gonna lose their girls to going back home you know, and I do love the line because they got to, you know, in movies like this, they always got to have the title of the movie here at the end when I think it's Dave that says, like, so you mean you're a beach babe from beyond? Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I love any movie that works in the title in a, a silly little line like that. It was the most dopey of the characters. It was actually Ziggy that says was it. Ziggy? Okay. I, yeah. by, by the time I got to the end of this movie, I was getting names mixed, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Throw away of the three guys. So, wow, you mean you guys are beach babes from beyond? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how he says it. You know who he reminds me of? Who? Bachman. Yeah, totally. It's from, totally the same kind yeah. of burnt mentality. <laughs> <laughs> but that's essentially the end of our movie without with the, the exception of uh, mom and dad doing a little cameo again at the end of Don Swayze and uh, Jackie Stallone heading back home worried that their daughter is in some sort of trouble because she's not been answering any of their messages but mom is uh you know a lot lot more worried than dad is he's he's not concerned although he should be because they definitely do have his T-bird <laughs> but now I can't speak so much on the sequel because I can't I haven't seen it, so I can't compare it to, in any way. But that is the end of at least this uh, chapter and this adventure for the Beach Babes, and only one Beach Babe would actually re- return. Well, the characters would return, just not the actors playing them, and we wouldn't get nearly the the fun fun kind of cast that we had here. But I think that's the part that sells this movie a lot. And why I know you said even part two for yourself wasn't as much of a fun movie as it was, but it has a fun cast between this movie was literally if you saw the trailer, I mean, it was literally the giant like three dimensional last names rolling into camera frames like Estevez, Stallone, Swayze, Travolta. Like that was the marketing like straight up. They're like, come see this crazy sex comedy with these like giant name stars, but not the real. one. Yeah. (laughs) So, not the ones you're thinking of. They're brothers and sisters and cousins. <laughs> and it's funny. And I mean, this movie, obviously, I think it didn't do it. didn't live up to sales expectations of, say, like 
you know, cause you got to consider it at this point, like we already had three or maybe even four puppet master movies in circulation at this point and a couple subspecies transfers, sequels and stuff. I mean, full moon was selling like hotcakes and moonbeam head, uh, debuted maybe a year or two earlier and made real waves with, um, uh, pre hysteria being, I think, uh, it won like an award at, uh, word for an effects or something, right? It, uh, I'm sure it probably did, but it won like an award for best direct to video release at like a marketing like event thing. Cause it was, it was so successful. Like, so these, these movies were making everyone just like shit tons of money. So when these movies came out and they didn't quite sell the way those did, Paramount kind of probably, I think, had more of like the side eye, like, hmm, <laughs> you know, maybe we've milked this cow for all the that it's worth. But yeah, and and this one, I mean, it probably didn't it didn't sell as well as the others, but it still sold, I think, better than what Virgin Hunters, aka Test Two Teens, did, because. But, you know, I think that the names probably helped, too, because they could just, you know, kind of fake it until they made it with the, the names attached. And, you know. Right, right. They, of course. They definitely already had, I think, the sequel planned because I don't think the sequel shot much later after this one was in the can, truthfully. Uh, I know a good handful of these were done pretty close together, one after the other for Torchlight, because <laughs> pretty much that was the idea was to just have a whole line of them ready to ready to roll out because uh, there were points when you know full moon would have a new movie come out every couple months you know through paramount right right of course yeah i mean they would they were putting they were i remember one time on one of the video zones they were you know boasting that they were going to be doing you know one movie per month and they pretty much met that quota for a long time Totally. So uh, they they definitely had the plan to go ahead and already do a sequel. Uh, and it's funny because what's her face the uh, the middle girl, <laughs> I can never uh, Luna. She even says, you know, she's like, "We'll be back." <laughs> You're like, "Don't worry, we'll be back and visit." Yeah, so we'll they be- let you know. <laughs> you have to read the read the subtext in the well. Um, Zeno will be back. <laughs> yeah. I I can never call her. I guess. I mean, she her name is Roxanne Blaze. That feels like her adult film star name. Personally, for me, she's always Sarah Sarah Balomo because <laughs> that's what she used in her more quote unquote legit work. So it, the more Sarah, yeah, the more mainstream kind of stuff. Yeah, Sarah Balomo would be the only returning uh, star for the the sequel because both of her besties totally got recast with completely different actresses who literally bear zero resemblance to the original actresses. So they're just like, we need two other really good looking girls who are willing to get naked and play silly. And they just hired, you know, good, equally good actresses though, mind you. I mean, there's, there's even, you know, they are very charismatic and funny, two in the sequel but they're just they're not they're not tamara landry and nicole posey yeah it's just a little jarring when they recast people like that from one you know one chapter of a a series to the other even if it's just from one movie to the second movie but it's just and this is one of those like phantasm type sequels you know what i mean where it's like the sequel picks up like immediately at the end of 
the last one. So, I mean, you're you're right from so, uh, so, yeah. next one. So, and then it's like they're suddenly different actresses. So, <laughs> yeah, a little jarring, I bet. I mean, when I go to watch part two here, here sometime soon, I'm going <laughs> to be shaking and scratching my head a little bit. Yeah, it's disappointing to me as a viewer because I think three girls were really good together. But like I said, the, the actresses in the sequel aren't bad, though. But, you know, to their to their credit, they're they're still pretty. They're solid for the material and have their own comedic abilities, though. Doesn't it's not really a detriment to the sequel. It's just they're not the OGs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but this would be the OG. I, I like it. I like this movie. I'm uh, kind of excited to rate this one. Um, almost going to almost going to break the rules and go first. But uh, I know how things go around here because I set the rules. You know, guests go first. So if you want to go ahead and give your final thoughts and rating on a scale from one to ten, man. You do, yeah. You know, uh, I, I've already showered this movie with a lot of praise. I I think that this movie is thoroughly fun i think when i had seen it originally i didn't from the onset realize it was produced by full moon uh it was after i i watched it and then i saw there was a video zone on it um that i realized it was actually full moon uh and for the for the video zones for the torchlight movies they actually were hosted by sarah suzanne brown who was the one of the female leads in virgin hunters and uh i was originally a, as a younger lad a bit more harsh on i'm like this movie's stupid <laughs> you know but, i think i probably felt the same way i but you know same as like you know when i like we've discussed before some of the more serious ones or like uh you know sci-fi-ish ones for me as a kid and i was like eh, these aren't really what i want but you know you get older you know start to take in more you know types of genres and have a bit more of a, a varied taste and you know as i grew up i think i have i i kind of evolved with full moon because obviously we would get a lot of this kind of content over the years i think the strongest content of theirs though was at the beginning with this type of product uh, i don't think a lot of the newer modern day era erotic type stuff they're putting out really compares they certainly don't compare budget wise uh but i don't think they compare in tone either uh yeah sure they're they're probably sexy you know they have beautiful women and stuff but they don't have the same charm you know and i think that's one thing right, that right. you'll benefit to this movie is is that you know this movie has a lot of charm everyone's in on the joke everyone's 200 percent game to just be silly make asses of themselves and just have fun and it's and it's a real plus for the movie it's yeah it's not very plot heavy but it doesn't need to be it's it, it in essence it's literally like one of those classic frankie and annette movies there really isn't a lot of plot it's just no no there's not Fun beach shenanigans, sexy girls, cute boys, shenanigans ensue. The only difference is, is here there's, you know, some boobies and sex, you know, and and even that isn't really in. Yeah, it's lewd, <laughs> especially if you're watching the director's cut, but, you know, and it's very 
not innocent feeling, but it's all, it's all light and in, in, in good fun though. You know, it's nothing. Yeah. It, it never feels at, at all. It not, there's never a point in the movie where anything, even when they kidnap Xena, it never feels a mean spirited or, you know, it always feels lighthearted. Yeah. Cause it's, it's literally, it doesn't even feel, cause it doesn't even feel like it's a real kidnapping. <laughs> you know, it feels, it feels like, like they're almost over for a sleepover. Like, Hey, please tell me about your, your bikini lineup. I like, how do you make such great bikinis? <laughs> yeah. It makes me think of like, you know, those, you know, movies where, you know, like she's tied up to the chair. I feel like you could have probably just like pulled the rope off of her. Like it's not even tied all the way around her. I feel like she's not even bound to the chair, you know? <laughs> right. It's just, you know, everything's just very, very light. But I think, you know, as, as an adult, I can look back and, you know, I, I know what they were trying to accomplish with this movie because I have a lot more foresight now. I think this movie's hilarious. I, I truthfully, I've, this is probably the third time I've watched it this like within the last year or so. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I love the entire cast. I think the girls are great. The girls are all gorgeous. The guys are really funny. They're all good looking. The celebrity cast of family members, they're all <laughs> like honestly, like Jackie Stallone and Swayze have great chemistry together. Joey Travolta is really funny. And, you know, Joe Estevez, I mean, he's fucking Joe Estevez. And like I said, Linnea is like I think she it's one of her best performances in her entire, you know, 45 ish year career. Like she's so funny in this. She's absolutely gorgeous in this. And I love the fact that she's not the one being sexualized. Like I love the fact that she just gets to play a, a good looking, strong, mature woman who has a, you know, light kind of like silly situation that she has to deal with so yeah she's got to win she's got to she's got to win that bikini contest and she's got to get that 30 grand <laughs> yeah i love it i i there's really not much of anything to really dislike about this movie to me truthfully i think it's genuinely it's one of my favorite uh dakota movies ever made truthfully in like 140 wow. 500 See, i had no idea when we picked it that you uh thought that highly of it yeah, I love it. I I absolutely I absolutely love it. Um, for me, I'd give it an eight point five. Not bad, not bad. I thought you were going to come in higher than that, so that colored me a little surprised. I thought you were going to get a full blown ten out of this one. I thought about it. <laughs> uh, you'll get your ten soon. <laughs> well. This, I think it. I think it earns every bit of its eight point five, though. Um, I I have to agree with a lot of what you said, but I ha- also have to be a realistic that you know these kind of movies aren't normally my thing. They never really were. I like a good one, and this is one of the few good ones. Like a lot of these movies, I think are just so threadbare on plot. And to be honest, a lot of them are very mean spirited. Yes. This one is is the opposite of that. It's 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 very like we just use the term lighthearted, you know, but it's lighthearted, it's funny, but it, none of the humor ever feels really mean. It never feels like there's anything, you know, horrible at, at stake. The the stakes feel, you know, while trying to be very high because, you know, they got to get off the planet and they they can't stay there and they're, you know, shipwrecked, essentially. It, nothing ever feels really dangerous. You never have a doubt in your mind that they're going to win the bikini contest, that they're going to, you know, that... 
Dr. Veg is going to make a, them their fuel additive and everything. You you know everything's going to end up all right for these people. Yeah, they never but, um, too shook at all that they're ever going to escape. It's like they know they're leaving. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like, oh, I mean, it's going to take us a couple of days? Okay, I guess I can hang out here on the beach, you know, us with these cute boys for a couple of days. I mean, not a big deal. But uh, I'm trying to think of... I, I didn't have a, a rating thought up on it. I, I was uh, waiting for us to get through our review, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it an even seven, nice. you know. And I'm, I'm sure I got a few friends of mine to be like, "Why would you give a movie like uh, Beach Beach from Beyond a seven? Because when you go, you know, a, a seven, you give a movie like this, or say you give a movie, you know, this uh, like a, a crime thriller or a slasher film or a zombie movie. If you give those the same sevens. They're different sevens, if that makes sense. You know, you go into a movie like this with certain expectations. And I feel like this movie checks off about 80% of those expectations. Really, the only two things that I can even say that even slightly negative about this movie is that they don't utilize uh, Swayze and Stallone nearly enough. I thought they had great chemistry. They could have sprinkled them throughout the movie <clears throat> to oh. use them in a greater capacity. Um and I, I felt like Burt Ward, really the biggest problem I have with it is that Burt Ward felt really just kind of wasted in the role. And and it's not like, you know, it's, it's too heavy of a negative to the movie. But, you know, you know me, I'm a nitpicky bastard. So, mm -hmm. but I, I give it, a, you know, it's a solid seven. It's a fun time. And I'm glad we caught it streaming because I do not own a copy of it. So thank you for that. Uh, but yeah. I'm have you provide the uh, as this movie's filled with what Dave Dave calls like the the G rated erotica, where it's just like you know pretty people in you know bikinis and swimming trunks just like dancing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically it's beach blanket bingo with nudity. Yep. You know, and not even like hardcore nudity. It's just very. It's very soft core. It's like, yeah, G-rated uh, skin flick is the best way to put it. it. It is an instance, though, where it's like, I think we've discussed this in the past, where, you know, if we're reviewing like an evil bong film or ginger dead man film or something, it's like, clearly you can't rate movies like that on the same level of scale as you would subspecies or castle Creek or something like that. It's kind of a sliding scale. You're We're looking at a at a basically a TNA comedy, like a TNA beach comedy. So yeah. you look at it as like, you know, how good is, uh, is this movie as a TNA beach comedy? <laughs> yeah, does it deliver what you have as far as expectations going in for a TNA beach comedy? Is this the castle freak of TNA beach comedies? <laughs> you know, that's it might be, it might just be. That's kind of the comparison you have to look at it as. It's like, you know, so, yeah, it's, you know, 7 for you and 8.5 for me. It, yeah, it's not on the level of, say, like, you know, some of those other movies you might have given the 7 or 8.5s to. But it's like, for the kind of movie it is, I think it's a pretty, pretty solid uh, example of the, the subgenre of comedy that it is. Because it's this movie. Truthfully, it has maximum rewatchability re to me. I I always get a kick out of it every oh, time. Yeah. It's funny. It's got great characters, pretty decent acting, and funny one-liners. And I mean, to me, I I love the ongoing. I've already said it a couple times. I love the ongoing joke about the humans being 
cannibals and eating people. <laughs> it's, it's just great shit. It's, it's good shit. And I was glad we revisited it. But uh, everybody, everybody was really top notch in this. I, that, always, too, I always I always have to point out, you know, obviously Jackie Stallone passed, I think, maybe a year ago. Yep. Yep. She gonna say she passed away a year or two ago, as uh, as did uh, Nikki Fritz. Nikki Fritz passed two years ago. And and I don't know if you noticed, did you know that uh, Jerry didn't live long after this movie came out either? Oh, Ken Stedman. He did, he passed away. And Stedman died in 96. Oh, wow. That's super young. God, he would have only been about. He was, I think, 25 or 30 or something like that. 27, I think. Yeah. He died in a dune buggy accident while working on the set of sliders. Oh, I had no idea. I had no idea he'd died. Well, it's sad. Oh, that's sad. I always hate hearing things like that. Yeah. But, you know, he had a, he had a pretty pretty busy career though he did a lot of stuff he appeared in a lot of uh like late night skinamax type stuff as well too because he was in things like mirror images too and you know freaking indecent behavior and that kind of you know. i see he was in a couple of tv shows he was in uh, baywatch baywatch nights and nypd blue so yeah he even did some um and he got in some tv work so i mean he he stayed seemed like he stayed pretty busy up and up until the end so which is more than that, unfortunately, for some of the others, like Nicole Posey. So, yep. Well, I guess that's the thing when you think about these movies that are, you know, almost 30 years old, you know, we're going to start seeing those cast numbers just dwindle down to. Yeah. Or even like Mike, Michael Davis, the Michael Todd Davis, the guy who played Dave. He only this is the only movie he ever did. So, And that's and that I found to be odd because he was funny and he was charismatic. And it's what's especially funny, too, is when you look on IMDb, two of the three guys, Ziggy is the only one that actually has a profile picture. <laughs> so <laughs> of, all, of all people, and he and he looks nothing like he used to back in 93. So, oh, I'm looking at it. Yeah, he uh, you wouldn't even know that was the same guy. Jeez. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, man. Well. That being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one for the afternoon or afternoon. How long am I talking about? It's like 1030 here. Uh, we'll put a pin in this one for the evening. Uh, I want to thank you. This is our two, second show in two days. So we're cranking them out or no second show in three days. Sorry. Damn. But I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to do these. I know these end up going pretty late night for you. So appreciate you giving me your time once again, sir. Always, I'm always happy to come back and especially talk about movies like this because I, I genuinely love love this movie. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I, I'm I, I'm I'm happy. You're happy. <laughs> I didn't realize that you. I, I know you got a love for Full Moon because that's why we're both here. But uh, I didn't realize this was such a favorite of yours. So that makes me happy that we covered it. But that being said, folks, we'll bid you a fond farewell. You have been listening to Howling at the Full Moon, and we have been talking about Beach Babes from Beyond from 1993. So let's get back to Daddy's T-Bird and go traipsing around the galaxy. To lust. <laughs> to therapy. <laughs> you can go down to that water, 
You can enjoy yourself, have a good time, chase some girls, enjoy California, okay?